Dan. This is the Pearl Movie Reviews Podcast, the podcast for people who actually like movies. And this is another episode of our Beyond the Mouse, our Disney-themed podcast, because who doesn't love Disney, really? <laughs> right. Kevin, apparently. I'm sorry, this started off so weird already by him racing off. Oh, wow. I try to say in the promo movie reviews as fast as possible. Yes. I, I got it in uh, very quickly. But this is also kind of a special episode. It's a it's a version, uh, it's a blending of Beyond the Mouse and classics. Because, yes, it is. Uh, we're talking about a classic Disney movie, finally. So uh-huh. uh, we've got Brandon Davis here with me. First of all, I'm Craig. I always forget to introduce myself. I do that, too. I'm my show, so we're, yeah, yeah. Well, this is almost like your show, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> so Brandon hosts classics. I yeah, I think everybody knows that by now, shouldn't they? We say it often enough. I didn't know that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but one of the other things that I wanted to mention was that Brandon and Scott, their Zonisodes episode, their mm-hmm. Twilight Zone series, just recently broke off into their own feed. Uh, so they've they've flown away from the nest, as it were. So you can go and search on iTunes, Stitcher, mm-hmm. Podbean, all those uh, for Zonisodes, and make sure to subscribe to that as well. And then that way you can get all of your the Twilight Zone in your life. And we, um, the Hitchhiker just dropped this last Friday, so we both awesome. think very highly of that one so yeah, I encourage everyone to listen to that you know uh, you can definitely tell those are those are compact episodes about 30 minutes long each not long you, you get a lot of information in there mm-hmm. so good on you yeah well when you're working with something that's only 25 minutes you don't really need to talk for an hour about it I don't think so I feel like I could probably talk for an hour about it maybe yeah <laughs> That's why this podcast is going to be eight hours long, because that's how long we're going to talk. Uh, Kevin is also here. Hi, Kevin. Bonjour. That was a couple months ago. Wow. We did oh, a while I'm ago. sorry. I wasn't invited to that podcast. <laughs> I feel like you're calling me out there on the podcast. Hey, so we also have with us a very special guest, and she is going to be playing the title role of this character out at the Springfield Muni later this summer, and the movie that we're doing and the character that she's playing is Mary Poppins. Mary, Mary Kate Poppins. Smith, how are you? I'm good. Thank you. I'm really excited that you guys asked me to come. That's awesome. Yeah. So uh, the first thing we always ask someone uh, when they're new on the podcast oh, is... Oh, what? yeah, we didn't prep you on this one. Uh-oh. What is your favorite movie? Of all time? Mm-hmm. All time. Uh, it would be a toss-up between That Thing You Do and Love Actually. That's nice. awesome. Yeah. So we're going to talk about That Thing You Do later on this month. <laughs> can I come back? Because yes, I could absolutely. talk for days about that movie. Yes. Uh, that, that's going to be an awesome podcast as well. So absolutely you could. Um, and then Love Actually is a fantastic movie as well. So you and Morgan Fishburne just basically get together and watch movies? Yep. And we just cry a lot. Feed each other ice cream. favorites as well. Yeah. That's perfect. Well, so like I mentioned, you're going to be playing uh, Mary Poppins at the Muni. Let's talk about that right away and get some of the dates out there. Do you know the dates that it's going um, to be opening? I know we open June 30th, and we run Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the first weekend, and then the following week is Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I don't know the dates, but it's basically everything that's not the 4th of July. Okay. And the you can go to the Muni.org cool. for then, Yes, please visit the Muni.org. That's fantastic. And if you haven't been out there before, I strongly encourage you to do so. I. It's funny how many people you run into the Springfield, Illinois area that still say that they've never been out to the Muni and, um, you can, you can bring your own food, have a little picnic, bring some wine or beer with you, uh, catch an amazing, uh, stellar performance for a very inexpensive. And just to put you on the spot and to embarrass you, I will say that, uh, Mary Kate's one of the most talented people I've ever actually Aww, known. So you, you know, did get that of, check from me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, so it's going to be phenomenal. Your cast is great. Andrew yeah, uh, Minerich, who's been on our podcast before, huh. he's playing Bert. Right? Yes, so. oh, but yes. <laughs> so are you going to do the rest of this podcast in British? Um, I could actually, if you <laughs> would enjoy it. It would be quite lovely. Challenge yes. accepted. That's great. Cheeky. Um, no, and you know, I always tell people, and this is probably like backwards press, and I hope the Muni isn't listening, but I would say you don't even really need to like theater to like the Muni. I mean, right. you can absolutely just go out there. People are like, oh, I don't really like musical theater. It's not only my thing, but if friends and hang
hanging out in the grass and drinking wine and eating food and being with your family. I mean, if, if you like right. any of those things, you would like the Muni. And Absolutely. And I mean, yeah. just to plug their season, because uh, we're all involved in it. Um, my wife is choreographing Willy Wonka. That's going to open actually this Friday at Yay. the Muni and then uh, run that same schedule Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then Wednesday through Sunday. Uh, and then later on in the season, uh, Jake, your husband and I, we star. We're really the you runaway kind of stars. Are. You are the star. <laughs> Don't forget Josh Meisenbacher in there, too. <laughs> Josh Meisenbacher. That, All of us. That trio is going to be worth the cost of admission, right? I may go every night. Uh, yeah, you should. I probably will have to. So White Christmas will be <laughs> happening after Mary Poppins. And then to wrap up the season, Kevin's going back to high school. hey He is going to be Roger yep. in Greece. The character nobody knows about. So what song does Roger sing? Does he sing the Mooning song? Yes. That makes total sense. I know. Not bad. Didn't you audition on that song? I mean, wasn't oh, yeah. that... Yeah, you just wanted oh, that yeah. song, right? Yeah. yeah. That's fantastic. But no, seriously, go out and see the Muni. Um, we'd love to support them and uh, go check them out. So with Beyond the Mouse, what we usually like to do is go through a little bit of Disney news. And there's been a ton of Disney news. But at the same time, uh, we want to focus just solely on two different items. And I want to get some of your opinions on two major things that have changed in the month of May. The first of which being Wishes is no more at the Magic Kingdom. Now it is called Happily Ever After. The The show debuted on May 12th and uh, we posted some videos uh, given use some videos to check out while you're listening to this and then also uh, around the panel here we we watched some of the videos as well. Kevin, do you want to tell me about Happily Ever After what your thoughts are? I when I first watched it, I was blown away by the projections, the new projections they had um, compared to how what, the, what it looked like in Wishes. Um, but that's what blew away. But and I like how they incorporated practically every single Disney character mm-hmm. into yeah. the new uh, in the, into the new show. And some of my favorite, they the thought process that went into it is like, oh, when uh, the gal from Brave, uh, whatever her Merida. name is, Merida, Merida, that's right. Uh, and Kevin. I think then I th- the gal oh, <laughs> that Scottish laugh. Okay, whatever. <laughs> and then I think it was when Mulan was shooting one of rockets. How the fireworks l- lined up so perfectly, and how it looked it was just continuing out. Uh, we we talked about on a previous uh, one of these show on uh, one of our earlier podcasts about how they were re um, recording all the new uh, orchestrations for everything. But I wasn't blown away too much by the new orchestrations, but. Overall, the show quality was great, uh, and they kept, I know, some of the crowd pleasers like Tinkerbell flying from Cinderella's castle, but it's backwards. It was opposite this time, wasn't it? It was at the end. Usually in Wishes, it kind of happens towards mm-hmm. the beginning. And they always fly, she, she always flew she away. She always flew away from the castle, and yeah. she is in quotation marks because it's actually a guy. Yeah, I think it depends on the night, from what I understand. There's a bunch of different people. For the most part, I hear it's guys. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Fun fact. Tinker Bob. (laughs) (laughs) So, Mary Kate, you probably were the last one maybe at this table to see Wishes. Did you go see it? We did. Um, In fact, I don't know. I think I shared this with you, but so I took my eight-year-old there and we had read in a blog that the coolest place or one of the coolest places to watch was to go to the Swiss Family Robinson Treehouse. Mm -hmm. So we, I had watched it the night before. Jake and I did the, one of the dessert things and watched from the lawn and it was beautiful. And we did, we felt like this pressure to go see it. Cause I was like, we'll never see it again. Let's go see it every night. And then, so Stella and I went and watched it from the treehouse, which was super cool. I would highly recommend that. Um, that was really neat. Um, but I have like this weird, kind of like love hate relationship with, the new one because Disney for me is so much about the nostalgia and so mm-hmm. much about getting to go totally. back and relive these things. But then also, you know, like this technology mm-hmm. that changes and improves every couple hours there. Yeah. So you know that every new thing they're going to do is going to incorporate something that blows your mind and that something you've never seen before, whether it's mm-hmm. projections, orchestrations. So at the same time, you want to see something new and different, mm-hmm. but there is this part of me that's like, oh, yeah. you know, I have so many memories attached to, and, and that goes for other, I mean, there are millions of other things that I have fallen in love with that are no longer there anymore. And they're just like, mm-hmm. Filed away in the the Disney vault, but every time that happens, it's sort of like a a sad kind of a bittersweet. Totally. So yeah, I was super yeah. glad to get to see it um, when we went down in April, but but now it's like okay, I guess I have to go back. 
Absolutely. It's just a reason to yeah, go back, Yeah, it's right? another reason to go Well, and uh, before I go to Brandon, I'll, I'll jump in and just say that, you know, it for me... I I like the new show. I, I want to see it in person, which mm-hmm. won't happen for a while. But um, I am okay with the projections because I think that on some level you do have to update the technology. You the wishes have been going on for 14 years, and you know Walt famously said when he opened Disneyland that he didn't want it to be a museum. So he wants the parts to constantly change and improve. Um, but what I will say, my only small critique of it is that. The story of Wishes in that song, the the story that they go through of the making this wish and then halfway through the show, the villains take over and all that. It, there's no real story arc in Happily Ever After. It's just like, how many characters can we put on mm-hmm. this castle mm-hmm. at any given time? So, but I mean... I, I showed you the video where they showed Wishes and Happily Ever After going on at the same time. Mm-hmm. And you can just see how incredible the projections are. But then also it looks like they've increased the fireworks. And I don't know, maybe that's because they the projections are just making them more stand out more. Mm-hmm. But, um, but for me, I really enjoyed the new show. I do wish that the song that they based it on had a little bit more of a story to it. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Brandon, yeah, what do you think? Point. Well, it did feel to me a little bit like Disney's greatest hits. Like you were talking <laughs> oh, about a little bit more than a coherent storyline. But not like you said, Kevin, the projections were amazing and everything. But, um, yeah, I did. I kind of wish for a little bit more nostalgia in it. I mean, I do feel like they did a little bit. Um, gear it more toward the newer Disney than the older Disney so you at are some the point. Guys. You know, <laughs> I gotta, I gotta stay true to who I am. But, uh, but yeah, I just, I, you know, it, it really is impressive. But I was just, I was just amazed by even from a video looking at it, how clear the projections were and everything, mm-hmm. and just how. You know, how crisp and clear everything was and how well-timed all the fireworks were. And I will say, like, when they when they broke down the castle mm-hmm. in the middle or whatever, that was, like, the coolest thing. Like, when the castle yeah. just starts setting on fire and falling apart. Oh, absolutely. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, my goodness, this is crazy because it really looks like it's falling apart. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the projections are very incredible, so I'm yeah. glad that they're using that technology more. But at the same time, uh, it'd be kind of cool if, like, every now and then they did a throwback to Wishes. I don't know. They, they still have that show program right. somewhere. So, but um, who knows? Maybe, maybe They have the ability to the do road. multiple shows because they do it in October. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's true. And for Christmas. They do yeah. a special show for Christmas, too. Mm-hmm. So, uh, But, yeah, any other thoughts on Happily Ever After? I mean, projections look cool. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so let's move into the world of Pandora in the Animal Kingdom. It just opened technically on May 27th, but I think that the entire state of Florida got to go as like part of their, their <laughs> soft like. opening. All on one yeah. day. Um, because their videos have been going out uh, since the beginning of May. Um, we watched, uh, in particular, this YouTube channel that I've mentioned on this podcast before. But the Tim Tracker, uh, him and his wife Jen, do a great job of recapping the parks and walking you through. And, and they're not overly annoying about it, so I like them <laughs> a lot. Uh, but So go check out them. But Pandora looks to me like it was being sold to us like like this immersive land and from what i've heard from the people that have gone uh i just talked to Rhonda brinkman uh this morning about it because she's been there uh the videos don't even do it justice with how immersed you are and how set apart from disney it is like it's the first time really that disney is not Disneyified something. Uh, for instance, the name badges there—they're not Disney name badges; they're Ace ba- uh, name badges because Ace is the company that you're traveling mm-hmm. with. Mm-hmm. Um, so it does look very incredible. The the ride throughs on the rides look fun, um, but it seems like more so than just the rides, it's the experience of walking in that land. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brandon, you want to go first on this one? Yeah, but I wanted to ask. So when they do the new Star Wars experience, mm-hmm. are they going to Disneyify? Star Wars like they do Pandora? Are they no. going to keep it? My, well, my understanding is that it's going to be very immersive again okay. and uh, that they're going to be wearing, you know, like the cast members in mm-hmm. that land are going to be wearing robes or okay. look like characters from Star Wars. And really, it's all thanks to Universal and Harry Potter World. I have never been to Harry Potter World, mm-hmm. but I've heard it's extremely immersive yeah. and you feel like you're part of that book and that story. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's what Disney, they're doing a bit of catching up on on them. 
Yeah. I just, I felt like watching it on the video, though, there was so much and you felt like it was all coming at you. You're like, okay, this really isn't doing it justice. You know, you got to be there to really experience it all. But the detail is what got me. Um, Just, you you know, the little bits, you know, when the, the, all the trees and everything. And I, I think I've only seen, I've only seen Avatar once, so I'm not a big Pandora expert, but you know, just all the, all the detail and all of the, um, attention to everything that they did. I mean, it's just amazing, but it's something I think you have to see in person to really Mm -hmm. fully grasp. Totally. Kevin? Well, I mean, as Tim Tracker said, it's just like, I want to see what, I haven't looked at videos on what it looks like at night. They did a night video. I'm sure they posted that. Yeah. And, and, and and I'm sure that completely would change my mindset on what it looks like. Mm -hmm. But like you were saying, unless you're there, you really don't know what it, the the scope of what it actually is. Mm -hmm. And, that's what I found myself struggling with as I was watching uh, all the videos that I've been seeing about it. It's just, uh, it's just another Disney immersed land. Land, yeah, and it's just so, and still to me, kind of a weird property. You know, like I don't know, Avatar. It, <clears throat> we've talked about it on this podcast before on Beyond the Mouse, but. Um, it was visually captivating when it came out. The storyline to me was pretty generic. It was like Dances with Wolves or Fern Gully <laughs> or any number any number of like, oh, these people are encroaching on our land, you know. Um, but it was visually stunning. And from my understanding, the way Disney approached it, because obviously in that movie they're kind of heading into this war with the humans and Disney uh-huh. is not all about war. So this land takes place... Uh, generations after the war has happened. And so it's kind of like after there's been a peace made with the humans, and then that's why you're being invited to visit the world of Pandora. But at the same time, so it kind of is leaving the storyline behind, yeah. but at the same time, it I don't know. It was eight years ago it came out. It was. Wow. And the sequels are not due out till 2022 or something now. They keep getting pushed back. See, and, and that's why I feel like Star Wars, Star Wars will have more success and probably be a better draw because well oh, we're, we're going to keep dr- bring, pulling out these movies for the next year uh, well Star years. Wars Land is slated to open sometime in 2019 I would almost guarantee it's going to open December 2019 because that's when episode 9 comes out so I mean it'd be just smart to be like here's episode 9 and here's Star Wars Land come give us all your money you know so <laughs> right. and you will and we will yeah, yeah exactly Mary Kate what do you think about Pandora um I of agree with you. I feel like it's exciting because I'm sure it will be beautiful. The attention to detail I think looks insane. I mean it's it's Disney, you know, I mean that's what they do. I love the idea of like all the bioluminescence. I think it will be stunning at night and I think there's no way to see that. I think I don't yeah. think you can quite capture that in video. Um, but my thought when we first started reading that this was what they were going to do at Animal Kingdom was just what you said. Now, I loved Avatar when it came out, saw it several times, um, would be very excited about the sequels. But I even feel like, is this really like a set of movies or that we are going to dedicate all of this space and time? And um, I don't know that they'll necessarily have the fan base or staying power that a Star Wars would have. Um so my question would be, I, I just think, is it beautiful enough, visually stunning enough, exciting enough to be a standalone, like even if you're not into that movie, even if those movies come and go, is it something that's still exciting enough in its own space and time to be a great addition to Animal Kingdom? You know, right. can you, could somebody like my mom who has never seen those movies yeah. or kids who have never seen those movies still be just as excited about it on its own? Um, just because it's visually stunning and it's exciting and you mm-hmm. feel like you're in this other world and the rides are great mm-hmm. and the, the food is great. Um, so that was always sort of my question about it. Is it going to be exciting enough regardless of what happens in the next 10 years to that yeah. that movie series? Yeah, totally. And I mean, that just means you have to take your kids that haven't seen the movie and, and tell us. Right. right. So now you're going to go twice. I will, <laughs> yes, that will really be my second business. trip down there. <laughs> yeah. So Absolutely. I can really focus yeah. on one thing. Exclusively on Pandora. But yeah, I do think um, it looks great. I think the rides sound like they're, you know, awesome. And, and again, like really hard to, I think, capture if you're not down there. But but that has always been my kind of question about it. And no matter how beautiful it is, it, does it stand on its own 
mm-hmm. aside from those movies. Yeah, and I've read a lot about why is why did Disney choose this property or or why how does this incorporate into Disney? Um, and I think that they come at it from the conservation angle because if you look at Avatar, that movie is very heavy handed on conservation no. and preserving <laughs> life and all that. Um, you know, and so I think that that's why they they chose it. Plus, James Cameron. Is a known quantity. Um, you knew that he was going to bring a lot of creative energy to it, and they knew that they were going to get their they're going to get it handed to them with uh, Harry Potter World opening, mm-hmm. uh, because that had been announced at Universal about the same time. And of course, Harry Potter World's been open for four years now, and uh, they're just finally getting around to opening Avatar. But did anybody have any additional comments on Pandora, the world of Avatar? The only thing Avatar to me just doesn't have that warm. Disney feeling, you know, mm-hmm. it's 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 got that fantastical element to it, but it doesn't have, you know, that kind of waltz, you know, magic touch to it that you know even even the later stuff after he died has, mm-hmm. you know, it, Avatar just kind of leaves you cold. I feel like the Star Wars. Well, well, yeah, that's well, true but too. I mean, at the same time, but Star, Star Wars, Wars even has a more of a Disney touch to it than Avatar. I, mean, I, I agree with that. Does. I feel mm-hmm. like it does um, because of the the whole space opera nature of it mm-hmm. and the the hero's tale that that goes on. But um, yeah, I, I do agree. I mean, mm-hmm. Avatar is definitely a grittier type of film yeah. um, to put into the parks yeah. because. Of course, Disney has those grittier types of films. They have now they've acquired Marvel, so they have mm-hmm. all of those. But at the same time. Of course, they want to put those in their parks, but they can't because of the agreements that were already made Mm -hmm. with Universal. So, um, but yeah, I I think it'll be fun and exciting to go Mm -hmm. down and see. I think by the time I go down there again, it'll probably be around the time that Star Wars is opening. So I wonder if at that point, Pandora is kind of abandoned already. Want to see? Be interesting. Yeah. So, uh, I said I wasn't going to say any other news, but I will just throw out there, not to get overly political, but this week, of course... <laughs> yes, um, Kevin, yes. This week, of course... I'm uh, outnumbered. The president... <laughs> I, I'm just one, I doubt you're outnumbered. Oh, okay. uh, the president did announce that uh, the U.S. was pulling from the Paris Climate Accords, and one of the uh, news items that's Disney-related is due to that decision, uh, CEO Bob Iger has resigned from the president's advisory council. So good on you, Bob Iger. Uh, And now what we'll do is take a quick break and then get right into Mary Poppins. This is Nathaniel Lloyd, host of Historical Blindness, the Odd Past podcast. Join us every two weeks as we explore the blind spots in our past, uncovering mysteries, exposing hoaxes, and shedding light on obscurities. For the past is a dark and mysterious continent, and looking back, we are but explorers searching for meaning. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and almost any podcast app. I hope you'll check out the show. And now we're back, and we're not going to talk about climate change. We're going to talk about <laughs> You're a welcome, Kevin. little movie. I feel like Kevin's probably on the right side of that Thank issue. Thank you, Craig. Uh, I'll stick up for Kevin. Most of the stuff the president does, I think Kevin's probably on the opposite side of that. Mm. Fair enough. Okay. <laughs> he could be listening, Kevin. Oh, yeah. I'm sure he is. <laughs> he, he definitely could be. <laughs> He's going to tweet at you at 3 a.m. Uh, anyway, to get away from politics, because we desperately need to uh, nowadays, and we're going to talk about an amazing classic film. And uh, Brandon, do you want to set this film up for us, since you know its place in film history and, and where it belongs? Uh, we're going to talk, of course, about Mary Poppins. Yeah, um, really, you know, this movie came out in 1964 and just a few years actually before Walt died. And I really think it, in my opinion, and I know that several people share this and this isn't a new thought, but I feel like 
of all the things that Walt did when he was alive, this is probably the crowning achievement of everything that he did um, in his career because it's kind of the culmination of everything that he could do. Mm-hmm. He can, you know, blend stories with song brilliantly, um, make something on an adult level as well as a kid level, um, find talent, you know, that might not necessarily be huge box office names, but cast them because he felt that they were right. Um, blending live action and animation and everything. And I, I feel like most people now since saving Mr. Banks came out knows the backstory of how this came about, how he tried to get PL Travers permission for years and she wouldn't give it. And finally after courting her and courting her, he finally, you know, got around to it. But, um, really I, should we just go around and ask what our, actual impressions of the movie are first. Sure. Do you want to start, Craig? That's sure. I, I can. Okay. Uh, so I saw Mary Poppins, of course, as a really young kid. And at the time, the very first impression I had of it was that there were some really nice songs in it, but uh, it was a little bit long for me. It was mm-hmm. a little, little uh, of a drag for me at that point. Um, but what I think is interesting, so I saw it several times as a child mm-hmm. and now watching it for the first time or, or first couple of times as a parent, mm-hmm. like it's totally, it's one of those movies where you get a totally different perspective on the characters, on, uh, what they're trying to accomplish. And then I think, uh, having seen Saving Mr. Banks Mm -hmm. and the amount of work that went into even the development of this movie, uh, which, by the way, plugging another Beyond the Mouse podcast, Anna and I talked about (laughs) Saving Mr. Banks a couple months ago. Um, But, you know, it... uh, To me, it's one of those timeless classics that's still relevant in how you can raise your child today and how you can treat other people today. Uh, Brilliant music. The technology at the time is really pretty insane. I mean, just watching... For instance, I, obviously I don't work in any kind of special effects, but just watching Spoonful of Sugar and thinking that in 1964 they were able to clean up that room with no visible wires or mm-hmm. no, you know, it, it was just pretty incredible with what mm-hmm. they did, uh, what they had at the time. And of course they had the little animatronic bird yeah. that's on her finger in that, in that, uh, in that scene as well. So just an incredible movie. I, Liam watches every morning when he wakes up now he wants to watch good morning from singing in the rain. <laughs> and then YouTube has somehow went from like, so the, the playlist that YouTube has developed for Liam is good morning to singing in the rain. And then it jumps to spoonful full sugar and super califragilisticexpialidocious. So he, his day does not start until he watches those four clips Aww. and, uh, good boy. Just absolutely loves <laughs> yeah. it. I mean, his, his, his eyes just light up when, um, super califragilistic comes on. So, uh, Really do enjoy this movie quite thoroughly. Kevin, what do you think? Before I start, mm-hmm. Mary Kate, can you spell supercalifragilix at all? That <clears throat> yes, I can. S U P E R C A L I F R A G I L I S T I C E X P I A L I D O C I O U S. She had to do that in rhythm. I did. It's like the ABCs. I can't say it without singing it. By the way, she also was Miss Peretti in Can you use it in a sentence? I can say it backwards, too. Sizzle G, was that the word? Sizzle G. Sizzle G. That's fantastic. So you made a whole career out of spelling. Do you want want to say your first impression, or do you want to (laughs) pitch it to her first? Mary Poppins is like my least favorite Disney movie of, like, Mm. all time. Are you a bed knobs and broomsticks kind of guy? No. Okay. Scott and I still want to talk about that. It's It, it's it's up there. It, I mean, I don't think it's bad. It's just not one I can find myself watching over and over uh-huh. again. Um, if you had to put Mary Poppins for Saving Mr. Banks, I would prefer Saving Mr. <laughs> Banks any day, which is kind of weird. But for going back and watching Mary Poppins for the first time since seeing Mr. Mister uh, Saving Mr. Banks, I was watching it with a different perspective. But like you were saying, how you're looking at through a different mindset being being a father now i do not have a child i have a nephew he's really cute but he's not mine he is really cute <laughs> thank you not as cute as my kid but <laughs> of course. wow there it was. or mary kate's 10 kids yeah that's right <laughs> <laughs> but no it, and like you were saying what they were able to do in 1964 or i guess the years prior when they were filming it was very impressive and 
I will say, Julie Andrews was pretty hot in this movie, too. <laughs> Wow. She was. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's okay. the only real response. But yeah. well, for, for not saying it for like, probably. She's still pretty hot. Let's be honest. She, she's still, she's, she's still, she's still, she's got still it. pretty yeah. hot. She's got it. Anywho. You'd go in her green room. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Back to this. Mm. I forgot what was. Oh, no. So, uh, for not seeing it in 10 years, I was very impressed. I haven't watched anything Mary Poppins in years. But Step in Time is pretty impressive mm-hmm. in that. It is. In this in this movie because it was, I don't even know how long that, that scene is. What, 10 minutes maybe? Mm-hmm. Of just nonstop going, which is very impressive. Mm-hmm. But all the acting was very well done. Well, for being 1960s <laughs> acting. But, Maybe except for Dick Van Dyke's cockney ask, accent, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's but, always, it's, but it's charming. Yes, it's, it's charming. But you can forgive it because he's so good at everything else. Yes. <laughs> exactly. I totally forgot about that drum thing in the beginning, too. Yeah, it's not good. I was like, oh my goodness. Yeah. Totally well, Mary Kate, about that. what do you think? Mary Poppins. I love this movie. <laughs> really? Yes. <laughs> I love That's everything weird. about this movie. Um, I think it is the quintessential Disney movie musical. Mm-hmm. Um, the live action, the animation. I, I, I do. I, I agree with everything yeah. that you said. I think it's just the penultimate old school nostalgic Disney live action film. Right, Kevin? Nope. Um, I, I do. Like yeah. Like, I mean, I do agree. I, I think I wish that there were a Saving Mr. Banks for every Disney movie. You totally know, I, I wish that, oh, I, I wish that you could that. get that kind of yeah. information about every mm-hmm. movie that was ever made. You, because to watch it now, having seen that, it does totally mm-hmm. change the way you view it. Um, having the chance to do even the stage show of it this summer, it changes the way I feel about that. And, yeah. and you know, Mary Poppins as a character, you know, what is her goal? Why is she here? Because that was one of the first things we talked about when we were talking about doing the musical. Um, and having loved this movie for my entire life and seen it more times than I would care to admit, probably. Uh, I worked as a nanny for a good chunk of my adult life because I wanted to be Mary Poppins. Um, but she's bizarre, you know, even in the Disney universe, she's not mm-hmm. a princess. She's not a fairy godmother. She's sort of this other thing. Um, but it is so very Disney, you know, mm-hmm. the, the story is so very Disney. So you can see why he was so determined to make yeah. that movie his and not somebody else's. So no, I, I just love everything about it. Julie Andrews is hot. Dick Van Dyke is hot. I mean, let's just call a spade a spade. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's, it's just beautiful. And the... The themes that run through it are timeless. I watched it with my second grade class this year. We did a whole unit on Mary Poppins and the themes, you know, the way we take care of our children, the way we take care of each other, the way we respect people that are different than us, the way we put value on things um, that that maybe we would normally overlook. I mean, these are beautiful, beautiful uh-huh. messages that as a kid, you know, they sail right. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say over your head, but right through you, Absolutely. you know, you, you get them without realizing it. And in these, in this day and age, that's so important, but also it was awesome to watch it with today's generation too, yeah. because they were captivated by the old school look of that film. And the fact that there are live people and animated penguins and, you know, it's so different, but still so relevant. So yeah, I just love everything about it. Yeah. Brandon. Yeah. I, I, I've loved this movie ever since I can remember. It's like when we were talking about wizard of Oz, I can't remember ever it not being there. So I can't actually tell you about the first time I yeah. watched it. Cause I feel like it was just always there, mm. but, um, which is different from Craig knowing this movie is too long when he's three. <laughs> well, <laughs> but, no, but no, I was going to say, cause you and I were talking and, and I, you I'm know, sorry, th- th- there were moments, you know, when you're a kid, like it's funny, the things that I would fast forward when I was a kid are kind of the moments that mean the most to me now. Exactly. Like, like the scene between Bert and Mr. Banks at yeah. the end, like mm-hmm. when he does that little, you know, pep talk at the end or whatever and all the stuff with the bank and mm-hmm. everything. Um, it's, it's that deeper stuff with, you know, the meaning with the tuppence and everything and how it, it gets to you and just, you know, the little Feed bit the of, birds. the little bit of kindness. Yeah. you d- Yeah. Feed the birds was a, a song that for me as a little kid, I like, you know, it, and it's a song, it's a lullaby that she sings to help mm-hmm. them go to sleep. Uh, so as a little kid, I just was like, Oh, sleepy time, you know, <laughs> uh, but it means so much. And then even 
Like before Saving Mr. Banks came mm-hmm. out, um, Anna and I would listen to a lot of podcasts or, or talk about Disney. And, and through that, you realize that Feed the Birds was Walt's favorite song. That's what he had the Sherman Brothers sing to him or play for him, like mm-hmm. at the end of the work week, just to kind of unwind. And it was just, as a kid, I was just like, well, why would that be his favorite song? Like, come on, Bare Necessities kicks <laughs> butt, you know? But, uh, but now I get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a beautiful song. Yeah, the whole score. I mean, the Sherman Brothers are yeah. amazing songwriters. I mean, when you think that they wrote the music for Mary Poppins and Jungle Book and Sword in the Stone and all of that stuff. And then, you know, later on, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. And uh, they just had a special sound and a special mm-hmm. way with words. And every song that they wrote yeah. for that movie is amazing. Well, I would say, like, you know, for so much of Disney, what we think of as Disney, if the company didn't make the right moves and hire Bob and Richard Sherman and then hire Alan Menken later, uh-huh. then, you know, th- that's a lot of what Disney is, is through yeah. the song. The music. Yeah. It definitely comes mm-hmm. through in the music for Mary Poppins. Uh-huh. Totally agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I was just thinking watching this the last time, it's amazing that this was Julie Andrews' first movie because she's so good and she just commands the screen. Mm-hmm. And it's funny when you know the story around that, too, about how, you know, this was the same year that My Fair Lady came out and that's the role that she created on Broadway and that's the role that she wanted to do in the movies. And, of course, Jack Warner not thinking she was photogenic enough and hiring Audrey Hepburn instead. And, you know, she would have never done this movie had she gotten the film mm-hmm. version of My Fair Lady. So it's funny how everything works out. But... And I've asked you a million times, uh-huh. like, what came first, Mary Poppins or Sound of Music? And it went, basically, her performance in Mary Poppins uh-huh. landed her the role of Maria in Sound of Music, right? Yeah. And it was basically one year after a next. Yeah, Mary Poppins was her first movie and Sound of Music was her third, because there's, there's, a, there's a cool little movie in the middle called The Americanization of Emily with her and James Garner. It's a war movie, but it's very different from Sound of Music and Mary Poppins, and it's kind of tucked between those two movies, so. That's cool. Mary Kate, this is the random knowledge. <laughs> I know, I love it. I'm like, oh my gosh, he doesn't even have his phone up. He just knew that. I'm so impressed. I'm sorry. Yeah, let me get my pencil out of here. America's way to Emily, okay. How red you are. Sorry, yeah. Um no, uh, so let's get right into talking mm-hmm. about some of the characters, and I think we have to start with Julie Andrews. Mm-hmm. She, she's the personification of Mary Poppins, and all she's practically mm-hmm. perfect in every way, right? And um, her portrayal in this comes across as at times so cold and other times so so warm which is why the movie works because she's not sugary sweet the whole time Mm -hmm. right uh because she you know life isn't sugary sweet and so she's trying to show them that and then like even uh, even her look as she's leaving them during let's go fly a kite Uh and she's realized that this family has come together and that her job is done like the look of just like love that she gives them without saying a word. Mm-hmm. It just captures like what she does for this performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. I, yeah. I, you know, acting like is, what do they say? I don't know. You probably know. Cause you seem to know everything. <laughs> <Kim>. um, <laughs> it's like 90% reacting. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. her performance in that movie, I think is so much in her reactions mm-hmm. and, you know, you have this character of Bert and Dick Van Dyke is so over the top yeah. and so, animated at every second and uh you know even when he's playing those softer moments he still has that rubber face you know his Uh reactions are so cartoony and she just has this nuanced way of looking at him or reacting subtly that Uh is that nobody else can do you know and and it's beautiful and you do like in that last moment when she's getting ready to leave and she's happy what she said and she's torn and it's just and it comes across in this beautiful face and her reactions in that film and her little side glances and her, mm-hmm. I call it re- resting Mary face is just perfect. <laughs> it's perfect. And it's awesome because it was her first film. I yeah. mean, coming out of Broadway, you uh-huh. in, in Broadway, you have to play to an audience. You have to almost make your gestures bigger, your facial expressions bigger because of that. And she didn't do any of that. It didn't come across as over the top. No. And Dick Van Dyke did in a really good way. In a natural mm-hmm. way. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, um, but Kevin, do you want to talk about Mary Poppins, who apparently you hated? 
<laughs> Even though she I, was hot, she was great. She was great. Her acting was great. I'm sorry, yeah, I'm, I'm distracted sure. by. I'm just looking at Mary Poppins fun facts. Some of the nannies lined up in the beginning of the film are actually men. I'm just looking at this picture and you seem preoccupied with men playing women. I think that's the second time that's happened tonight. Tink, Tinkerbell, Tinkerbell, oh. Tinkerbell. <laughs> You have a real problem with that. So, do you want to be a nanny or do you want to be Tinkerbell? I don't know, a but manny? which one of those guys? Uh, who are the guys in this picture? I feel they're bad all for pretty these handsome. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, no, she was great, and and you guys have all touched on why she was, uh, how she is great. By, I, I really wish I would, because sometimes Broadway actors do turn into pretty good film actors, mm-hmm. and. I, I always get a kick whenever I do see finally a Broadway performer crossover to uh, the movie or TV scene for that matter, just because I can be like, oh, I know them already. <laughs> they sh- you should have them sing. Um, but no, she was great. And and like Mary Kay, you hit the nail on the head with that last scene when she has five different emotions going through her head that you know she's, and she's able to emote it in a way where I can see and feel each aspect of that. It it was impressive. And how great is her voice? Oh, mm. gosh. Seriously, mm-hmm. uh, it's so so good. About like mine, right? Wonderful, almost. <laughs> the thing that Wonderful. I love about this movie too, and that she does so well, is you know, people always say. I think especially people that don't like musicals or movie musicals, like the idea of people just bursting into song is so. Yeah strange mm-hmm. to most people. I don't understand it because I think it's wonderful. <laughs> but, but so many people are like, ah, they're just singing out of nowhere. But I think the combination of Julie Andrews' magic and just the magic of this story in general and this character that does these things that are crazy. So the mm-hmm. idea that she just starts singing out of nowhere, you're like, well, sure, of course she is because yeah. she does all this stuff that's weird and she makes it so natural. And, and right. Dick Van Dyke as well. Like, you know, just this kind of character that is so... Um, surreal and mm. otherworldly in a way that these things all make sense and I think so much of that comes down to her just totally. comfort and mm-hmm. owning everything that she does on screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got anything else to add about Julie? Uh, no, just um, you know, just just really she she does so much more, you know, without saying anything, like you said, than you know, saying anything. The way that she plays off of this will be a good segue into Dick Van Dyke, but you know, just playing off of his manic energy, you know, and I've I've always loved their relationship because it's kind of this platonic yet something lying underneath. There's a lot of subtext in her mm-hmm. performance, I feel like, because there's a lot unsaid that you could think about Mary Poppins that you know never really comes to light but i julie andrews i I was watching part of the documentary on the blu-ray and she was saying you know i always felt like mary poppins had a secret life because you never know about her you know backstory with bert and all this stuff so she said there was always stuff i could think about when we were doing that now how many how many novels did uh pl travers write though wasn't it several yeah i I think there's seven or eight poppins books or something like that i just wonder if it's ever like broken down in there and then obviously uh-huh. like the character I, I it'd be interesting to go back and read those books uh-huh. i guess because after seeing saving mr banks and her uh response to walt trying to make this into the classic that we love the uh-huh. the animation the film and things like that her not liking that um i just wonder how the how the books would read yeah, I think I remember. I think in grade school, I read just a couple chapters out of one of the original books, and it was, you know, it was pretty much what I thought it was going to be. She's a little more prickly in the books than I think she comes off in the movie. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's interesting. But um, but yeah, so you have her. Her calm, her calm sensibility in the movie, and then you have Dick Van Dyke, who's just all over the place. And you know what a, what a performance by him. You know, I probably sure. you know next to his TV show, the best thing he ever did. Yeah, and, and he he does a lot more than sell appliances, yeah. which we, <laughs> uh, in such a way that's, that's what you know for. But, uh, so good no, joke, Craig. I like that. Uh, that was good. Two of them laughed. <laughs> you, don't, you don't laugh at anything unless it's a man cross-dressing. So. You know it. Uh, Hashtag Tinkerbob. <laughs> Make it a thing. Bring back the bob. <laughs> so, uh, let's talk about Dick Van Dyke mm-hmm. and his over-the-topness uh, in every way. And I mean, the character, That's look at his costume during Jolly Holiday. And mm-hmm. during all, I mean, it's, it is incredibly over-the-top to mm-hmm. begin with. And so I think he was matching that performance 
performance. Um, and this this idea of a man who's part of a one man band, kind of a loner uh, journeyman that can be anything that you need him to be at any given time makes a lot of sense for him to be paired up with Mary Poppins. Mm-hmm. And um, as you mentioned, Brandon, his energy and charisma uh, met with her determination mm-hmm. to the seriousness of the role. Like that blend was just absolutely perfect. Yeah. So Mary Kate, you want to start with uh, the hot Dick, Dick, Dick Van Dyke? <laughs> he is those eyes. Um, <laughs> No, oh, God. No, he is an American treasure. I mean, come mm-hmm. on. I, I, I have said for this is so morbid, but the day that he passes away, I mean, he's got, I don't know. How old is he? 90. 90. Oh, that I will be devastated because I feel like he is just such, and still, you know, you see like viral YouTube clips of this mm-hmm. man dancing yeah. and singing mm-hmm. and, you know, he pops up in movies like he was in um, Alexander and the No Good, Terrible, Horrible, Awful, yeah. Something, Bad Day. Yeah. And he's just wonderful. Like, and, he, still, and he's going to be in the Mary Poppins just, sequel coming yes. out in 2019. Yeah. We'll talk about the sequel. Oh, I'm so excited about sure. that. Yeah. We'll talk about um, the sequel. No, but sure. he's just, he's so good. He's so magic in this role. What are you doing? I, I mouth Emily Blunt. To plug the trackers again, the Tim trackers, uh, they went out to Disneyland and they were there. Mm-hmm. They didn't know it, but they were there on his 90th birthday. Oh, and so wow. he made an appearance in New Orleans Square and kind of came out. And I think that they sang uh, part of Jolly Holiday or something. Oh, so, so go back to the tracker uh, feed. And the, it was a few months back. Mm-hmm. Look up when Dick Van Dyke's birthday is. Oh, scroll cool. back to that. And then you can watch those clips in, in oh, Disneyland. Cool. But um, yeah, he just just an incredible guy in mm-hmm. this in this film and very talented the dancing that he's able mm-hmm. to do like a real triple threat mm-hmm. when you think about it because he is able to sing dance and act so well and that's uh, pretty rare for the most part Kevin mm-hmm. you did, guys have already, did you hate him no he was great too <laughs> it's just it's the small things that I didn't like but anyway so Jane and how <laughs> <laughs> literally the little things the little people yeah sure We'll get to this. Anyway, we've all said the good things about Dick Van Dyke. What do you think was their relationship? How did they meet prior to the movie starting? Because we obviously knew they were, well, they had a relationship as in they knew each other before. But how? Because I think, is she this this fictitious character that came out of the sky? That's how I took it. So how does he know this fictitious character out of the sky? There are some amazing theories out there. If you go digging, Hmm. which I did in getting ready for this um, show this summer, my personal favorite, um, and you can look this up. I found it on a blog. I can't remember. Mm -hmm. Um, But apparently it's pretty well supported. Is that, you know, Mary Poppins is this timeless character who was actually Bert's nanny, is what people um, suggest. And there are all sorts of things in mostly song dialogue that kind of support it. Um, The fact, for example, that he already knows the word supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, as in maybe she taught it to him. Um, She refers to him as being a diamond in the rough, although he really is blue-blooded. So, you know, that... There, there's a theory that she met him in his childhood and he was maybe going the way of a George Banks and then instead kind of peeled off and now is like your every man, yeah. working man, you know, not concerned about money, not concerned about anything other than being kind to people, mm-hmm. which is sort of his MO is just looking out for everybody else. So I kind of latched onto that because I thought it was super fascinating. Um, whether or not there's any truth to it or not. Um, yeah, you know, but I really loved uh, and that, that and then having that idea that maybe she's someone who has popped in and out of his life throughout it. Um, well, see, the possible love interest or love connection that right. I had that mm-hmm. it kind of goes against that thought. Unless he fell in love with his nanny. Yeah. yeah it's very really possible. And, or I mean, she they're, fell they're in love never, with his... But, like, you might think that there's a love interest there, but it's never explicitly said. Mm-hmm. No. I mean, the, mo- the furthest it ever goes is in Jolly Holiday when he's talking about how great of a day it is to spend with Mary. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like, that could easily be thought of as a love song. But, I mean, outside of that, it it never really goes there. And I kind of mm-hmm. like that about yeah. the movie, too. Um, so let's go ahead and, and mention... Well, and I also like Dick Van Dyke, though, playing Mr. Dawes Sr., the right. old guy yes. in the bank. yeah. Which I I did hear a funny story though about. Um, That's why that was overdone. <laughs> <laughs> I did. 
<laughs> I did hear a funny story. Dick Van Dyke used to like to play tricks on the tour buses that came through Disney Studios. When they would come to a crosswalk, he'd be in that old man getup, and he would like just snail by them and make hmm. them wait minutes after, you know, forever. And then once the tour bus started going again, he would pass them at a dead sprint and the That's old man. So nice. harbor That's awesome. I love that. Um, so real quick, uh, cause we still got a lot to talk about and not mm-hmm. a lot of time. Uh, but let's, uh, Mention the parents, uh, David Tomlinson as yeah. Mr. Banks and Gilness Johns. Glennis Johns. Glennis Johns. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I can make a. I don't particularly care for her portrayal. And I think it's because they made. Like, going back and looking at how they. How the production was brought together. Mm-hmm. Um, she had thought that she was going to be Mary Poppins. Mm-hmm. And so they kind of made this suffragette thing for her because it would have been the time. Well, it just mm-hmm. seems so weird in comparison yeah. to everything else in the film, all about women getting the right to vote and, you know, all of that. But it's just kind of weird, isn't it? I don't know. It's, it's out of place. It's, yeah, it's a I plot agree. device where they're just trying and to show that you song. that she's preoccupied with things and right. doesn't have time mm-hmm. to be you know, in the house. Yeah, I guess where she's not on the same level as Mr. Banks, but she's still preoccupied with other things. Sure, so. sure. Okay. But, well, fair enough. But I loved his portrayal of Mr. Banks. He's great. Yeah. Because he comes around. And I mean, now saving Mr. Banks, uh, it's mm-hmm. hard to think of, um, you know, just thinking of Colin Farrell's portrayal and how I, I don't know, it just... It's hard to disconnect those two from me now, mm-hmm. and I love the the growth that that character shows. Mm-hmm. It does really change your, you know, watching it. And I think part of it is perspective too. You said you know, watching it as a parent mm-hmm. growing up, that movie was about her relationship with these two kids, mm-hmm. and watching it now, the kids are almost irrelevant when yeah. you look at it. You know that she's really there for him and to mm-hmm. change his relationship with his children. So it does really just change the whole scope of that film. I think. Yeah. yeah, it's weird to finally understand what the movie's about compared to. I had no idea yeah. what the underlying meaning was through all this. Well, yeah. and well, and he's just likable. You know, if he was a total <laughs> monster the whole movie, it wouldn't be the same. But you do like him from the very beginning. He's just kind of misguided throughout the whole movie. It's his bowler yeah. hat, mm. <laughs> <laughs> his yeah. mustache makes yeah. him really likable. Uh, a song that I dis- so going into more things that didn't necessarily work in the movie mm-hmm. for us. Uh, we've talked already about uh, some of our favorite scenes, and I think we can go on and mm-hmm. on and on and on about all the songs we love, except for Kevin. Um, but <laughs> the, uh, the song that I never liked before mm-hmm. is I Love to Laugh mm-hmm. um, with Edwin. Too bad Jeremy can't come up here and do his Edwin impression. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We should, we should have him tag it in right now. It's uh, good. But... Uh, <laughs> but I, going back now and watching it, mm-hmm. like I, YouTube will continue to play songs from the show, mm-hmm. and Liam loves that song, so like chuckles, like chortles all mm-hmm. the time to that song. So, uh, so I kind of like it now. But I would say that um, if anything didn't work in the film for me, it was the length of the film. It, yeah. it does. It, it is a mm-hmm. little long, of course. Then you get beautiful scenes like that ten minute step in time. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you cut that? You know, uh-huh. uh, so maybe it's just my attention span as a kid wasn't there, but now I absolutely love this film. Well, and I think in 1964, people's attention spans were longer. Right. So if you were to make it fresh today, it would be an, an hour, hour and 40 minutes. minutes or right. something we'll like see. That. We'll see how long the sequel is. Yeah. Uh-huh. Exactly. So anybody else have anything that didn't work for them in the film? I did not like that. I like to laugh or love to laugh scene. Yeah. Yeah. Just there's nothing about that scene that I care for. I think that they grabbed Edwin was a huge star at that point, mm-hmm. right? So he's kind of the main mm-hmm. cameo that they're able to get yeah. in this film. Um, so I can see why. And also. Um, Elsa Lanchester, who plays Katie Nana, she was the bride of Frankenstein. Oh, so really? That's For a fun sure. Little now that you say that, I see that right away. Yeah, yeah. that's great. So, yeah. Anything not work for you? No, I just love all of it. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason why you're very. That's right. There's a reason. Anyway, it's like one of those where I could watch it one time and not care for something, but then the next time it's my favorite sure. thing. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, sure, sure. I totally get that. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any particular songs that you want to highlight as oh, man. Uh, um, as your favorites? I I would say I've come full full circle on Feed the Feed Birds, the birds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and maybe it's because I love diving into Walt's history and his life uh-huh. and the Sherman brothers and, and all that, um, that built Disney. And because it was his favorite song, I think I probably gave it more of a listen, but there's uh-huh. so much, such a great message about 
generosity and mm-hmm. helping those less fortunate than you in that song it just helps it just makes my little liberal heart bleed are you gonna go feed the birds with it you know it <laughs> kevin what do you have a favorite song i already said it seven times oh, okay yeah. well i mean that was in my opening remarks Craig. sure okay. thanks for listening yeah sorry mary kate I would say feed the birds too, although the super califragilistic is mm-hmm. just in, a, in its absurdity yeah. is just an amazing the the speed with which that song moves, mm-hmm. the orchestrations, the the turns of phrase that they wrote. I mean, it, it really is kind of a stand apart song, but just I would I, I don't think you can compare with feed the birds. Yeah, Brandon. Well, Feed the Birds has the most meaning, but I love I love Jolly Holiday just because it's so it's just fun. it's yeah. just Julian Dick. It's the two of them, you know, just just together. You know, it's not a mm-hmm. huge production number. It's just the two of them, and it's just fun to watch and the them penguin interact. dance. Was yeah. fun to watch penguin dance, and uh, so and, and for nineteen sixty and penguins, right? Right, live penguins. <laughs> okay. They look suspiciously like Andrew Minerich. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's fantastic. Um, so, starting to begin to wrap up. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk a bit about Mary Poppins Returns, and that is set to debut on Christmas Day of 2018, hmm. uh, starring Emily Blunt as Mary Poppins, <laughs> and Lin-Manuel Miranda as Ooh, Jack. <laughs> as Jack, not Bert, which might lend to the theory you talked about earlier, because mm-hmm. uh, this is supposed to take place about 30 years in the future or from mm-hmm. when Mary Poppins originally took place, and there's trouble in the Banks' house, and we assume that that's probably Michael or Jane's house, mm-hmm. not um, not the Banks' house that we know of as now. So is maybe that lends a bit to the Bert theory that he's no... So. Although... Dick Van Dyke's going to make a cameo, I believe. Yeah, but I don't. I, I think they said it's not, not Bird; it's bird, something else. Right. But he could. But be it bird. could be. They might just be misleading us. Yeah, but. I say he could be Bert still, because mm-hmm. if it's thirty years, it's within the lifespan. And mm-hmm. I mean, granted, you know, it's been fifty years since the movie, so mm-hmm. he definitely looks older. But I, yeah. I think people would forgive that. Yeah. Um, but okay. So, what are your thoughts about? It? Are you excited about the movie? You think it shouldn't be touched? It's a timeless classic. Brandon, what's your thoughts? Since it's a sequel, I don't mind it as much. I right. think if they were trying to just totally remake the original, I, I would say why bother. But this is going to be totally different. They're going to do. Um, chapters from the other books that hadn't been filmed before, and so this will be sort of just a new, a new chapter. Um, I think that uh, having Dick Van Dyke be a part of it is great homage to the original, and it's just got a lot of great people. I mean, Colin Firth's in it, Meryl Streep's in it, Angela Lansbury's in it. I wow, mean, I didn't a know great, any of those names yeah. were in it. I, yeah. I guess I haven't followed along with the casting. Yeah, it, I, I think it's interesting that Julie Andrews isn't part of it, but they got another beloved British icon, Angela Lansbury, in it. So it should be. So is it really a sequel to Bedknobs? That would be funny. <laughs> that would be. <laughs> wow. As long as Lynn just breaks into, I don't know, what's the Hamilton version of Parliament? Oh, we can, yeah. we can go that route. <laughs> uh, but but no, I I think I, I'm I'm actually looking forward to this one. I think this will yeah. be interesting. Yeah, it might be one of the first movies I get to take Liam to. I can't decide if he'll mm-hmm. still be too young. He'll be um, he'll be three years old. I don't know. Is that too young? No, Tikam. Okay. Yeah. So oh maybe my gosh. This might be one of the of, first and it'll be one of your that, favorite things ever. To that, do. Uh, that he'll get to see. So how about you? Are you excited for the oh, movie? Oh, I'm super excited. Good. I'm excited about everything tonight. Have you noticed? Um, <laughs> I I think it's awesome because I remember even even as a kid thinking, what it she just leaves? Does she yeah. ever come back? I mean, does she visit other people? Like, mm-hmm. where does she go? She just goes back into the clouds and hangs out until somebody else needs her. You know, uh. There are all these unanswered questions and even like in the framework of thinking okay like if she's someone who maybe she was Bert's nanny well then is she going to keep in touch with these kids too surely they're going to see her again you know just all these as a kid you feel this attachment like oh if my nanny just left you know Mm -hmm. I would hope that she would come back so I love the idea of it being something that just transpires much later she's just sort of dropping back in on this new circumstance I think Mm -hmm. it I'm with you if it had been a remake I would have poo-pooed the whole thing and probably not wanted to see it but I love the idea that it's just a new chapter in this character story. For sure. Kevin? Yeah, I agree. And, I mean, throughout this entire time, just as a moviegoer and taking on a project like this, what would I be disappointed in uh, in this movie when it came out? And Emily Blunt. No. 
I was really excited <laughs> for that. But no, I, I was just like, I mean, I'm always one to find out because, like, those questions you were asking yourself, Mary Kate, is just like, I, I want to know what happens and like trying to for, I really would like to find out what is Mary Poppins. Like, mm-hmm. if, if we can get some kind of conclusion on what right. that is. Uh, that's what I would like to see. I mean, Rob Marshall, I really like his movies. Uh-huh. And so um, I liked all of his musical movies that he's done. So it uh, should be a fairly good film. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, is there anything else in... I know we could talk Mary Poppins for hours, so uh, um, maybe not Kevin. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, this is the last Beyond the Mouse that Kevin will ever be on. Thanks. Way to go, Kevin. Bye. Tinker Actually, that's, I've been replaced in the last three by new people we've had on. What's hilarious about that is that the next episode is about Newsies, and so you probably should be on it. Um, but, Just call uh, Bailey instead. Yeah, exactly. I'll call in Owen. I'll kick you out. Okay. Bye. Okay. So anything else about Mary Poppins that you we did not mention that you wanted to get to? Brandon, you've got... A lot in your brain, I'm sure. Well, yeah, but I don't want to unleash it because we'd be here another two hours. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> but no, just um, just a really great, you know, really great movie in the Disney canon. But you know, I will say this though: it was for 1964 for a Disney movie to be nominated for Best Picture, like it was, was a pretty big uh-huh. achievement. Because in the 90s, you'd have Beauty and the Beast nominated for Best Picture, but you know, 30 years before to have a Disney what movie, it, what did it lose to? My Fair Lady. Oh, oh. But, but, oh. But, Julie, but Julie Andrews won Best Actress, and Audrey Hepburn wasn't even nominated. So, Burn. Nice. Oh, nice. Anything that you wanted to mention about Mary Poppins? Nope. Come see anything. it at the movie. Yeah, come see it at the movie. And it is, the, um, the musical is a really nice um, hat tip to the movie. There are a lot of things that are identically similar and a lot of things that are totally yeah. different that come from the books or come from other mm. strange places. Love, I love generally how uh, Step in Time is done in the musical, mm-hmm. and they also expand upon Supercal a mm-hmm. lot. Like, Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious is like a minute and 40 seconds long in the movie, and it right. feels like it's considerably mm-hmm. longer than that in the show. Yeah, yeah. But I so do enjoy that. And you've got a similar, great but cast. Different. Yes, great group of people. That'll be really fun. Yeah, fun for time. sure. So we're looking forward to that. Well, uh, so with wrapping up, I'll go ahead and plug he just skipped our me, but that's okay. He knows better. Kevin, did you have anything no, else that I'm you good. wanted to mention? <laughs> Kevin didn't like the film. <laughs> Why didn't you like the film? Wait, we never got to this. <laughs> I want, I want there were be- so many just small things that happened, but I understand these things happen in old shows. When he rips up the paper, that should have been just like six pieces, but when it flies up through the chimney, it's like a dozen, <laughs> and it doesn't make sense to me. Is this for real? <laughs> That's Is this why really happening like right now? And then... Kevin, there are dancing penguins in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> You just suspend your. And I just don't understand. And Julie Andrews is hot. When they jump into the <laughs> when they jump into the sidewalk thing, is that supposed to be? Are they actually inside there, or is it a fantasy? The I don't know. Mary Kate's giving you and then, is like the best thing. <laughs> and then also the unanswered question: where Where the hell did Mary Poppins come from? I don't know. Nobody can tell me. <laughs> Right. We can that. have this discussion afterwards. I Mark. guess. And with that, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, just to plug our other shows, go find Zonisodes on its own feed. Go search for uh-huh. it in iTunes or Stitcher or Podbean or Overcast or whatever the hell you Android people listen to. And uh, classics. And classics. Uh, what do you got coming up for classics? Now, remember, we don't. this is going to drop this week. So yeah. what What are you doing for So you? you and Jeremy and I, I think, are doing Maltese Falcon. We so are doing wow. Maltese Falcon. And then, and then so. in July. I think we're going to do all the president's men. So. Not timely at all. Not timely. No. Yeah, film about Watergate. It's not. <laughs> not a- Kevin will be here by that one. I'm sure. I'm sure. God, you like make you me sound like I'm just like I worship the ground Donald Trump runs. Well, you do have that "Make America I, Great Again" hat on right now. What I love about it, <laughs> St. Louis Blues hat. What I love about it is that we're dogging on you for not liking Mary Poppins and for the fact that you're like the lone Republican uh, on this podcast. Maybe those two ever. are related. Me, I, Maybe it is related. I'm active in the theater scene. 
I am the only Republican. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, <laughs> but then also uh, flashbacks. I know Scott has a lot planned. In July, we're going to do our full disclosure on Spider-Man Homecoming um, and many, many, many more. Uh, and then also, I plugged it a little bit already, but in July, uh, the Legacy Theater in town in Springfield is also doing uh, the Newsies, Newsies this summer. So we're going to talk about the 20-year-old uh, Newsies film wow. this year. So. And Newsies is... Featuring who? Kevin Cullivan. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Springfield Theater's lone Republican. Yes. Will that be on the poster? I It will be now. Good. Absolutely. I'll write it in for you. Thank you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the Yeah, podcast. thanks for having me. This was a blast. This was fun. So we'll have to have you back uh, very shortly. And whenever you want to come on, whether it's Disney or otherwise, or just that thing you let do. us know. That thing you do. You should come on for that. For I'm, sure. I'm going to add you to the message thread for that. <laughs> so, uh, all right. Well, thank you so much for listening. And this has been Craig McFarland. Kevin Gullivick. Mary-Kate Smith. Brandon Davis. And we will see you in the front row. You don't do a good go one? I, go ahead and love Me? to laugh. No, I can't do yes, it. I love to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I love to laugh. Can you do the plugs? Because I forgot to do the go see the front row movie reviews and all that. Oh, God. Can you do the plugs as that? Oh, my gosh. I can add that in. Yeah. Or Mary no, Kate Dumont. No, I want to see. I want to do it now. Yeah. Which plugs? Uh, the front row movie dot com. Oh, God. All those. Okay. <laughs> Gotta think about this. What's his, what's his name in the movie? Uncle, Uncle Albert. Uncle Albert. Okay. Oh, everyone, this is Uncle Albert telling you to go to the front row movie reviews dot com. You can find everything there, don't you know? And go to Facebook dot com. You can find the front row movie reviews and this Twitter thing. What is this Twitter thing? You can find it at front row reviews with a Z because they can't spell, don't you know? It's oh, also no. it's totally King Candy from Wreck It Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's the same thing. <laughs> it's where I get it. Great. <laughs>